Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Different Spectrums podcast. Uh, before we get into it, please check out our collaboration with the podcast Earth 894. Yes. Yes. Uh, should be coming out probably this week if it hasn't already. Um, but if not, um, please check out probably next week or so. Uh, we talk about grief in Marvel's MCU Phase Four. The whole so, phase. Yes, all the phases. We had a two-hour-long conversation with our fellow podcasters, fellow nerds. Yes, right. <laughs> so yeah, please go check it out, and then please give them some follows and some likes along with that. Yeah, good guys, um, funny guys. They are Ain't better than us, they are. but they're funny guys. It's hard to beat us. Let's be real. Mm -hmm. um, all right, now getting into it. Uh, if you haven't listened to our show before, we have conversations around mental health, and we dabble in humor. A pinch. Just a little bit. Have a dash. Yes. If we were Salt Bay, but less douchey. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we also try to help people understand, identify, and normalize their emotions from movies and shows. Specifically, certain scenes. You've probably already watched these movies and shows, but we're going to use a different perspective, and one could say a different spectrum. <laughs> Somehow you made SpongeBob creepier. I don't know. <laughs> you made a talking sponge be creepy. All right. Nice. All right. And of course, with that. We are joined today with our licensed clinical therapist, our co-host, our mentor for a lot of people. The one and only true God. Let's never go that far. I'm it's sorry. Nazir, everybody. <laughs> I just got done watching Black Adam. He calls his God okay. stuff a God like five times. Oh, Jesus. Okay. All right. I'm still turned like, on. I'm just, him. I'm just still cooling off. I'm still running hot right now. Jesus Christ. All right. And <laughs> of course, I am your co-host for the show, Spencer. Spencer son. Yes. Spencer son. Not getting into that. All right. Uh, yes. Uh, today, we are checking out the great, the classic, Mighty Ducks. The Mighty Pigeons. Minnesota. Yep. Let's be honest, folks. He calls a crane a pigeon. I don't know why, but he does it. <laughs> All flying species and feathered species of pigeon. Right. Yep. All the same. Yep. Even airplane pigeon. Everybody on the spectrum watching the show is saying, no, they are not. And <laughs> yeah. exiting out of our video. So thank you for <laughs> yeah. that. Yep. You're pigeon. <laughs> that's going to be, that's going to be our crew now. They're the pigeons. <laughs> yep. Oh, they're a flock of pigeons. Yeah. Look at yep. that. Anybody who follow us, you yep. are a flock of pigeons. And our superpower is we'll poop all over you. <laughs> you are a flying rat. All right. Yep. And we're all <laughs> led by us and the bird lady from Home Alone 2. <laughs> all right. Moving on. Moving on. Um, so we're taking a look at two scenes, but they're kind of similar, right? Mm -hmm. So we have uh, the first scene. It's when Coach Bombay uh is in his peewee league and he has to take the final shot to win the championship to win it all and at that time he is on the hawks which is like the the rich kids the rich kids of the block you know they got they buy their players pretty much have everything um and in this scene he he goes to shoot and he misses and instead of you know having some type of um you know, some type of embrace, uh, being like, hey, you did your best. His coach just looks down and is in shame. He's shame. He's so you shameful of him. Yep. Yes. You failed. You could have um, been the next yeah. Vader. Uh, and then in the second scene, Jesus, in the second scene, we see that, um, we see that our new coach bombay is uh teaching charlie conway um just to relax and reassuring him 
more than anything in this scene. So he's trying to rewrite the past and make sure that yep. his player is not feeling the pressure and that win or lose, he's still proud of him. Why couldn't my father be Jesus. Thanks. Mm. <laughs> All right. So with that, Nazir, anything before we get into the clips? Uh, no, let's check it out. Um, everyone knows the deal. Uh, follow us on our socials at Different Spectrums Podcast, uh, wherever you can find any podcast. That's where you're going to find us. In uh, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of it, TikTok, at Different Spectrums Podcast. I had a that's client say, I don't know what your name is on there, but I can see your logo. And I was like, that's a good thing. See? I knew the logo we made works. it. The smiley face that. tricks people. We also but. sell weed. Okay. Let's get into the co- uh, the commercial. <laughs> let's get into the commercial. My dad will like that one. He's going to be like, hey, you holding out? So let's get into the commercial. How much you got? <laughs> uh, no. A lot. It's a song. Uh, I know. All right. <laughs> Let's do it. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> all right, it's up to you, Gordon. Now, you missed this shot. You're not just letting your team down, you're letting me down, too. Remember, it's not worth playing. If you can't win. That's right. Okay, son. Let's go. Let's go, son. finish what he started. Coach, we have a chance to win. Damn straight we do. Come here. You've been practicing that triple D? Yeah. Then you're all set. You may make it, you may not. But that doesn't matter, Charlie. What matters is that we're here. Look around. Whoever thought we'd make it this far? One, two, three, triple D. Take your best shot. I believe in you, Charlie. Win or lose. Thanks, Coach. Go get him.
right, and we're back. So, just watched the two clips. Not said it was very contrasting. Yes, it is. See, you had one coach who was being like, "You're going to let everyone down if you miss a shot." Yeah, everyone, your family, <laughs> friends, me. Yeah, everybody. You might as well die. Yeah, don't even. You know what? Just if you miss a shot, just you're an orphan. You're done. <laughs> Jesus. We're just gonna put you right in the dumpster. <laughs> yep. Um, and then of course, then you have Bombay who after that became a lawyer. Um, then he was just he was very arrogant for the most part. Um, some would probably say because he's trying to cover up some of the hurt that he was going through and um making sure that his accomplishments for his career made up for that one shot that he probably relives all the time. In his yep. mind. Yes. Um, and then, of course, you have our second scene where it's um, it's uh, Charlie who actually um, gets ready to take the shot. And, um, oh, my gosh, Bombay finally um, tells him, like, hey, win or lose, proud of you, no matter what. Um, which you could say, hey, that really relieves the stress of everything. It's just like, hey, no matter what we're going to be able to win or we're going to be able to like, you know, come yeah, out of this good. in a positive light. Right. So yep. I think that looking at these scenes, some people would probably say that the first coach um, was probably more of their style where they wanted somebody who was really hard on them to, you know, to push on them to go a little bit further. Now it's probably not going to be, as far as you know him saying like you're letting everyone down if you do if you don't do this right mm -hmm. which there probably are coaches like that oh 100 exactly and for a lot of people that's not going to be the style that they want to be at mm -hmm. um but then you also have bombay who um who's going to have strict it was going to be a little bit strict but at the same time let their personalities come out which makes them which leads them to winning is yep. getting them to have their own personalities and be um less conformative right uh like a system yeah a lot more constricting and then a lot of the times once you constrict people that's when they just stay in that box and they can't do anything um, yeah yeah so um i think this is a great scene especially for like our young athletes because they've all had this pressure you know of being the ones right and even if you're not the one that takes a shot um you never know when you're going to be called on to actually make that shot so i think it's a good scene for that uh nazir what comes to mind when you watch this scene so before I get into that, I'm going to vibe off yes. what you said before I forget it, because I'm already forgetting it. Okay. Uh, come on, come on, come on. There it is. So take the shot. So just because you ain't taking the last shot doesn't mean that you're not taking, like, all these other shots. So in the show, they all have their moments. They all yeah. have their moments. And so we picked this. Spence picked a movie, and then we kind of picked these scenes. And I was like, ooh, let's do this contrast of this coach being kind of terrible and how this mm -hmm. can actually hurt players. And this, the, it isn't even sports. This could be a professor, a teacher, an advisor. This is anyone in a leadership role. You do or you die. It's black or white. You win or you lose. It's Ricky Bobby. You're first or you're the next loser. You're first or you're last. There you go. Yeah. Well, there's one where they're first or they're last, and there's another one where uh, second place is just the first loser. Um, it, so that's a way to go about it. Sure. The second one, what Bombay does, is more of an open technique. He kind of lets you be you, lets your personality kind of ooze out. He does control things. But there's also this ability to, like, free ball. There's ability to do what you need to do. There's ability to experience your own personality and persona. It's like Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. You're going to let him do some stuff on his own. Tom Brady at quarterback. You're going to let him do some stuff on his own. Um, yeah, I kind of mix it with uh, like Phil Jackson. That was his style, just yeah. kind of letting his players be who they are, and then with inside like, the if system, he needs to step in. He does, yeah, within the system, and then if yep. he has to step in, then he does. Correct. 
And so that's a wonderful way to do it. It's the way I do it with therapy. So before I forget this, uh, my youngins, and they're not necessarily youngins because they're, uh, they're graduate students. So in my graduate support group that I run, uh, one of the groups that I run, uh, some of the feedback was like, I, I, they were like, I love Nas as a man, as a human, as an entity, as a celestial being. Uh, well, the cool, the cool comment was, is he does have control over the group, but he allows us to kind of run things. He knows that we're grown ass adults and that we can foster and maintain things with inside the group. I don't need to lead everything. Right. And I, I, I like that. And sometimes they'll look at me as the group leader and they'll be like, I'll be like, how y'all want to do this today? They're like, you're the leader. I'm like, nah, we ain't playing that bullshit. We're all autonomous humans in here. Like, what are we doing as a, as an entity? Um, and sometimes some of them don't like that because some of them want a little bit more control, me to control things. I'm like, yes and no, I'll control it when I need to. Uh, that's my type of leadership. There's no pressure. There's really no anxiety, right? I will guide when I need to, and I will be mm -hmm. very communicative and you're going to know what I think, when I think it, why I think it. Right. So it's not like I'm hands off. That's not what I'm doing. I'm hand, the hands is out. Oh, let me rephrase. I ain't touching no one, so I fucking my hands ain't out yet. The hands are near them. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it the mind is on you. <laughs> um, that don't even sound right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Landed. I know. That's the thing is, there's a way to lead without controlling. There's a way right. to lead without being punishing, demeaning, demonstrative. Uh, there's a way to do it. Some people be like, well, you're just okay with losing. Motherfucker ain't about that. Yeah. There's more than just this W. And then you got people like Kobe and a couple other people be like, why ain't any of those moral victories? Yeah. And in saying that, Kobe's mindset was always growth. So he's like, yeah, fuck it. If yeah. I lose, I lose. I hate it, but I'm still going to grow and be better. And I'm going to literally dominate and kill you next time. Yeah. Growth. And I think along with that, um, that's a competitiveness right there. Um, and that's the way opposite of what that first coach was doing, right? Because he was literally saying, like, this is it. Like, if you if you lose, this is it for you. You're done, right? While, you know, Kobe and a lot of other coaches just go like, all right, we lost. But you know what? We got to grow from this. And we got to get better. The problem, when they get, when like, people like Kobe or Michael Jordan, they get angry when you're not putting in the effort that they're putting in correct so if he's going 110 percent, you better do the same even if you're not as good of a player yep. as michael jordan or kobe you better be putting in the effort or else they're going to be on your ass correct <laughs> and steve kerr got some lumps for <laughs> oh oh kobe so pushed around some people too oh of course yeah yeah, yeah, that's how you do Vucevic, or yeah, Sasha, yeah, his best friend Sasha, he done got in fights with him. Farmar, he got in fights with all them guys. Gasol. Yeah. That's what he did, man. That's what he did. He's going to push you, but it's all still about growth. So long yeah. as you're putting in the effort and the knowledge and the time to grow, well, I'm okay with that. If you fail, you know, I'm okay with that, but we need to learn. So if you look at Kobe's younger years, right, he was taking the last game winning shots in like the finals and all, and he kept missing two years in a row. They lose the championships uh, in L.A. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he become the monster that he was, the Mamba. The Mamba. So the biggest reason I think why we did this is uh, is leadership. Mm -hmm. How does one show leadership in their profession, with their children, with their friends, on a team, as a therapist? Mm-hmm. So I think that's the big question watching this. You already know, a lot of us know, how it feels to be a net first coach. You know what it feels yes. like to feel absolute fucking shit and that you don't even want to exist in the world anymore because you assume that you're trash now. So you don't want to do that to your player. That tyrant leader, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we, we talk about all the superheroes. Just got done watching Black Adam. It was a tyrant king and a leader, and then Black Adam becomes, you know, who he is mm -hmm. to be the hero. Technically, it was his son, and then and then transferred. Bro, when the son got shot with the arrow and died, spoiler alert, I'm sorry. Like, I literally, like, gasped. 
Yeah, I know. It was surprising. I was like, I knew like he somehow like somehow he died, right? Because that's yeah. how he became Black Adam. But I was like, y'all had to shoot him like in the face. I literally died. I'm like the sun, not the sun. Really, the uh, good one. Why is it always the sun? <laughs> um, they wonder why people are mad. Uh, and so there's different types of leaders, man. And yeah. you've got these other leaders like I almost said Steve Carell. Yes. I meant to say this Pete great Carroll. leader, Steve Carell. <laughs> great leader, Steve Carell. <laughs> I was gonna say like uh, Pete Carroll. Uh, there's a bunch of bunch of coaches in the NBA and NFL that are like him. I'd say Andy mm. Reid's gonna be like him. Allows you to be creative. Allows his coach to do what he wants to do. There's yeah. a lot of coaches that are just they'll allow you to do your thing with inside the system. Um, I think it's pretty awesome. There's a way to speak to your players to gas them up, to keep them grounded, but to gas them up. Yes. I do this all the time. Well, I'm with students. Okay, so we we said, you said all this horrible shit. But you got this, this, and this. It's pretty awesome. Do you believe this stuff? Oh, no. Do you believe that I think that is true? Oh, yes. And then we start dialoguing about that. Then we tried to build their self-worth up. It's not based on BS. It's based on the actual facts and reality. Right. I'm like, do you need to work on some stuff? Yeah. I had a client tell me the uh, the other day they got mad at me. They said, Naz, you called me oblivious the other day. And I don't remember why you said it, but I was so mad. I said, oh, okay. I don't remember why I called it either. Well, let's talk about it. So you should have mm-hmm. called me out right then and there. That's how close we are. You should call me out. Because I don't want anyone to feel like horrific in my office. And we end up talking. I said, so why were you so mad? And then a bunch of stuff came out. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they were triggered. Wow, I don't even like you saying I was triggered. I'm like, motherfucker, what you want me to say? Like, you was... <laughs> and Michi, I don't know. Like, I don't have a oh, word Michi. on Michi. <laughs> he, 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 was de- he was degraded? I don't motherfucker. I don't you got hit in the head with a word that reminded you of a word that someone else used to say and it brought up some trauma. That's what we call a trigger. Uh, So the landmine, even with very caring people like me, they're still there. You might not know you hit those landmines, but if you're willing and open to communicate and people feel safe enough to communicate with you, that is a leader. Mm -hmm. If they can bring their failures to you and you can work on it and talk about it, that is a leader. Now, if your clients and People are just fucking up shit, and they're too scared to tell you. Yeah. Like when you bring home your report card, and you, I don't know about you, Spence. My mom's a little behind. I bring home that report card. I'm like, oh, my ass going to be red as hell tonight. I'm about to get that whooping. So for me, it was actually more of like I didn't want to disappoint her. So I yeah. would just, and I sucked ass at school. So, of course, you know, with report cards and stuff, I'd be like, did I? Wow, I had no idea. I have a D. I'm surprised as you are. How how did I do that? Oh no, I would have got a knuckle puck right to the face. <laughs> you like how I did that, right? Yeah, she would just like grab her stick, just <laughs> yeah, knuckle puck. <laughs> yeah, I still got the lump. <laughs> so Carlos, uh, not Carlos Mencia. That's a George Lopez moment. I still got the lump, Mita. My uh, head is still swollen. <laughs> yeah, well, welcome to be a Mexican and high blood pressure. You just retain well, this is all water. <laughs> wow. That's that's amazing. It's like a <laughs> it's like a water mattress. It just goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh so wonderful scene for anyone that's going into leadership, for any therapist that's looking to navigate themselves with their interns, their clients. Uh very enjoyable as well for anyone that lives in the Minnesota area, because this is a Minnesota-based mm-hmm. movie, right? Yes, it is Minnesota. It's one of the it's one of the top Minnesota movies out there. Yeah, let me tell you, we don't have a lot, so we could grab what we can. This is one of the ones we're gonna have to tag, tag Minnesota stuff. Yes, yes, we do. Uh, anything you're thinking that you want to add <laughs> about uh, just leadership or mentorship, I think or just emotions, just in general. I just think that a lot of the time we listen to the 
like our first coach, that first coach there. We just listen to them more than we do the Bombays of our lives um, because we get so like emotionally attached to it um, rather than the other side where we're kind of just a lot more passive when people give us compliments or people say that it's okay to fail. We always want to say like, it's not okay to fail, but let's be honest. If we fail early on, then we can actually, you know, build ourselves up to where we know where the, our floor is. Um, that's my opinion. I think that once we hit that floor, I don't think we can really go back to being as low as we were before. That's just me. Um, True. And I, I feel like I have to believe in that, um, especially coming from, you know, where I, where I've been in my life. I think that, um, we always have to make sure that even though those older coaches are still in our minds saying negative things to us, that um, we can build up and be better um, and learn from those coaches and say that I'm not going to be like this, right? Um, like, for example, when I have kids one day, I'm going to make sure that I'm always there for them and that I'm never going to um, be I'm not going to say my dad was like a bad dad. He wasn't. It's just he wasn't as there as much as I would like to. Yep. That's a whole other thing. But, you know, I want to make sure I learn from him and be like, okay, I'm going to be there for my kids a lot more than I was for him. And I'm going to have different life choices than he did. So I can keep on sticking with my family in that sense. Um, that's just kind of an example. And, I hope that we can actually have those good mentors and they stick in our minds more than, like I said, those first coaches that we talk to. Um, but yeah. Cause they stick, mm -hmm. they stick, man, those negative things, especially when you're young, people are like, I ain't got no big traumas. Mm. And then we get to talk. I'm like, Nope, that's a trauma. That's a trauma. That's a trauma. That's a trauma. All the little traumas. Right. That's one big fucking trauma. Right. Uh, and, well, you know, people don't look at it like that. But when them coaches or teammates or people are ragging on you and they're calling you horrible things, like slow or fat or unathletic, or right, it mm -hmm. sticks with you. And then maybe you change your body style and all that, or you finally hit your growth spur. But that damage mm -hmm. is done pretty young. It can cause a lot of eating disorders, body dysmorphia, uh, perfectionism mm -hmm. and stuff later in life. It can be very damaging. I'm not saying everyone gets a trophy. I'm not saying that. There's a certain yeah. way to push people and to talk to people, especially children. Yeah. Um, I remember cause I was like a, I was a legit horrific kid, uh, mm -hmm. but I was like super nerdy as well. Mm -hmm. And then Pops got out of prison and then he's like, damn, you a big boy. So we going to make sure you see, you going to, you going to play with the big boys now. I'm like, what does that mean? You're going to start working out. Uh, so I, we started football and I was just getting demolished by all these other kids these, all these other, mm -hmm. because I've never played football before. It's not that it was weak. I just, I was just a chubby little kid there. Everyone's chubby little kids, man. I got picked on so bad. It was also because mm -hmm. it was an all white school that I went to, uh, when I transferred with him first started playing uh, football in middle school, eighth mm -hmm. grade, getting murdered in eighth grade, going into ninth grade year, I was starting to get some swag. Mm -hmm. Uh, starting to figure things out. Still wasn't that good because I'm still only been playing it for a year and a half now. Going into tenth grade, now I'm lifting. Now I'm like one of the strongest dudes in the high school, at this right. certain school. Then I had to transfer. Um, but that coach that I was at in Flint was such an ass. So mm -hmm. mean, so yelling. Kind of looked like Chris Farley too. So it was hard to take him serious. He was such a dick, uh, derogatory, just be screaming. And then I go to this school in Lansing called Lansing Sexton. Uh, Major Johnson come out of the school down the street called Lansing Everett. Um, mm -hmm. So it's right by the Capitol uh, in Lansing. So we was going there. Awesome coach. Mm -hmm. Some of these coaches would gas you up so much. They all played collegiate football. Bunch of them played in the pros. One of them played in the Super Bowl. Um, mm -hmm. And so we was in middle school, man. And now I'm like strong. And I'm learning, and I'm getting gassed up. I'm getting coached, and they're mentoring me afterwards. I thought I was God. Mm -hmm. The following year, uh, I go to varsity. I'm getting coached and mentored. Very stern coach. Uh, mm -hmm. Very, like, doesn't want to mess around. I'm still an idiot messing around, so I got in trouble a lot. 
then I, of course, I transferred again because money issues. Uh, I'm not a narcissist. Those coaches were all idiots, and so I ended up teaching a lot of the offensive linemen how to do things. It was kind of funny. Um, so I was learning and learning and learning. Then I took all that wisdom and then taught other people the technique, the form. I know what it feels like to have someone be super derogatory, and it sucks. Mm. And then when I went to college to play ball, the coaches were all awesome. I was just getting murdered by everyone else because I thought at 6'2", 310 pounds, I was going to be a big boy. And then you start seeing everyone like 6'7", and you're just practicing, and they hit you in the chest, and you're like, wait a minute. Well, I shit on a kidney. Uh, Well, uh, I coughed up blood again. (laughs) I would just go lay down uh, after practice. I wouldn't even shower. I would just lay down on the floor in my dorm and just die. Yeah. During practice, I'm like, I got it. I'm fine. I'm tough. Where after practice, someone just crying in a ball. <laughs> All right. So, I do have a question for you. Um, Hit me with it. So you one time. About, one time. Maybe twice. One time for the one time. Okay. Never mind. Ooh, third uh, time. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm just having fun here. Um, so, I want to ask. So, you talked about your past and how A, you kind of weren't ready for like different leadership um, in your life. You were talking about how you had a stern coach, but you were just kind of messing around at that time and you got in trouble a lot for it. Um, So in your days of like teaching other kids how to, you know, be an offensive lineman and things like that, what would you say back then was your style of teaching somebody something? And then my second question would be, how do you, how is it different from how you teach people now? Seeing athletics back then, it was a little different because okay. uh, it's the same mental process for me where you're systemizing things. Mm-hmm. So you're teaching people the skills step by step and technique step by step. Because if your technique's good, then you necessarily don't have to have the biggest muscles or to be the fastest. Right. You can use your intelligence to get to certain spots first. And then you mm-hmm. win, you can control things. Um, and th- so that's, it's the same process, but it's a different kind of like pattern. That's more verbalizing, talking to them, and then having mm-hmm. them, you know, put it in action. Where right. I'm leading now is there's some of that verbalizing and then having them put it in action, but it's mostly me asking questions. Right. So they'll be like, hey, they'll be like, nah, well, I got this person that did this, this, and this. And they're like super mm-hmm. depressed, or maybe they're neurodivergent and autistic. And I'm like, did you, so how do you know that they're autistic? Like, what'd you look for? Well, I seem like these two or three things. I'm like, okay, okay. Did you ask these questions? Did you ask about family? Did you, and, and when you asked about family, how did you do it? Because somewhere there's, it, the lineage is somewhere in there. Right. So there's certain ways to go about things the way I do it systematically in my brain. But I like to ask the questions and kind of guide and then, okay, so that's what you didn't do. So let's maybe think about doing this. And then they're like, Oh, okay. So I ask this question and it leads to these other four questions. Yes. If I use a little bit of humor in the very intro, when we're talking about confidentiality, Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right. So right, my name's Nazir. I'm a counselor, social worker. I've been working for this long. This is my specialities. Uh, and then confidentiality is, is, you know, I can't say anything that you do. You can tell whoever you want. I can't say anything. Never come from me or anyone in my office, unless you're gonna hurt yourself. And you're like, Nazim, nah, hurt myself. Nine o'clock tonight. I'm gonna do it. I got the weapons. Well, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna step in and then help you out. Or you're like, Nazim, nah, I'm getting ready to cool, kill my cool my roommate kill my roommate tonight, nine o'clock, I'm going to do it. I'm sick of her shit. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to let you do that. And that's when they usually g- giggles when I'm like, like, I'm sick of my fucking roommate and I hate them. No, I'm not going to let you do that. And they'll do a little laugh because I'll usually right. say sick of their shit or I'll swear. Um, mm-hmm. There's a certain way to see students like normalize therapy. Most of the therapists that are younger that I'm training, they're super nervous, super strict. I mm-hmm. like to kind of let those training wheels off of them and be like, hey man, you, you can be your own person. Right. Uh, so everyone knows Serena on the podcast. If you haven't, you can go back to some of the episodes that she's on. Mm-hmm. She's a counselor therapist at the University of Minnesota. She was uh, training under me for a year. Uh, 
she would always come in with so much shit to talk about. You know her, man. She can talk. Mm-hmm. And I would just ask some questions and point and guide. And I'd make sure that she used her personality and the bubbliness. But then right. she used that inquisitive mind of hers. She also likes the gossip. So, you know, she likes the tea. She gets very into the stories, just like I do. I get into the stories because I want to like solve everything and I get like the hamster in my head gets to running. Right. Well, like where my dad's hamster gets to run and he just gets cracked out and just like has a seizure. The thing's just running for hours and hours and hours. It won't stop. <laughs> yeah. So Serena's, uh, she just, I feel like she gets, she also has fun. She likes, to, she likes the stories. Okay. Uh, training and teaching counselors to me has to be built on trust. Hmm. Because technically I wasn't the director, people felt really comfortable coming to me. It's like when people feel comfortable going to the assistant coach instead of the head coach. Right. You don't feel like you're going to get trouble. You can get some real honest feedback. If you fuck up, you can bring it to me. So I yeah. kind of liked it that. Okay. Uh, the interns that I'm running with now, just small critiques, feedback, questions, honest, open, very direct and blunt. Ask, it's all based on communication. Right now, it's a they have to be comfortable with you to communicate because I'm so grounded and chill, and they know that I'm kind of an idiot. That uh, they, they usually kind feel of? comfortable being idiots themselves. Right. They're like, look at Nas. Nas is a fuck up. That means I can be a fuck up too. Correct. I'm not gonna lie. That's that's <laughs> the truest shit I've ever said. So, so now I have to ask. So you bring up a lot of the time that you ask a lot of questions. Um, what what's your thought process on making those questions? Right? Is it more life experience? Is it just having the knowledge of certain things? Is it a combination? Like, what do you think about when you ask questions, or how do you get to that point? Story time. I remember okay. being in graduate school. And, uh, you know, they said, you can't do that. You can't, you can't say why you can't, when someone says a story, just say, why? Like, mm-hmm. it's fucking stupid. Like, why would I use all these other words? Like, I'm just gonna say why, uh, mm-hmm. I'm very blunt and direct with my questions and very precise, mm-hmm. especially when they're sitting in the emotion. So like a student will be saying something mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, but why did you feel that? And then they have to sit there and think about it. Well, I, I hate Tiffany. Why? Mm-hmm. Because of this, this, and this. And that was hate. These are very direct questions, and that was hate. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not. Or was it? I also like to do this. Because a lot of my neurodivergent humans, sometimes it's hard to verbalize what they're feeling inside. Because a, a thing called alexithymia. We've talked mm-hmm. about that in the past. And so... I'll give people a buffet, a buffet, of, a buffet of options. <laughs> I'd be like, so is it this, this, or this? And then they get to choose from those three or four different things. And I said, if it's not any of those, then tell me it's not any of those. And then I'll, I'll, let, I'll throw some other things out to see if it feels congruent, correct with you. So were you angry with them? Were you resentful? Were you ashamed? Were you embarrassed? No, I don't think I was any of those. Mm-hmm. If I want to have fun with a client and I trust them, they trust me, I'd be like, all right, so you don't hate Tiffany, but would you murder Tiffany? How they, would you do it? Where would you store the body? Yeah. And they'd be like, I would never hurt a soul. I'm like, all right, just check. Good. Just checking. I'm documenting this shit, mother. Not a murderer. Not a murderer that we know of. 2020 Dexter. Yeah. See? Um, so I like to throw multiple things out there and let people select from that. If they're having trouble coming up with things to answer my questions. Um, I think it's about the way you ask questions. Okay. If they know that you're actually interested in, in their story and empathizing, you can Mm -hmm. almost say it in any way that you want because they know that you're connected based on how you're sitting with them, looking at them, how your body posture is, right. how you're actually following the story. Because most humans, right. 
They don't ever ask any questions. Even in our day-to-day conversations, people mm-hmm. don't ask you shit. They really don't. They're like, you might say some stuff and then they're waiting to say their own stuff. So very rarely mm-hmm. will they ask you questions. Yeah. I've been told I ask a lot of questions, even like to friends that are hanging out, they'll say something. Mm-hmm. Then I'll ask like 10 questions and they're like, wow, you're really interested, aren't you? I'm like, well, you just said all this random shit. So I don't really understand how you got to that thought or emotion unless you tell me. See, and that's kind of the thing with me is like, sometimes I don't ask enough questions, whether it's like for my job or whether it's for, um, like if I'm talking to somebody, I run into that myself sometimes struggling where I just don't know what questions to ask. Cause I, my mind just isn't going through that process of being like, you should ask this, 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 because yeah, I just don't have anything. Yeah. Your hamster's not on running like mine where mine's just fucking running. Right. Yeah. And that's, it's sometimes a struggle because people are like, you have any questions? I'm just like, no, I'm good. <laughs> just like five minutes. I'm like, nah, I'm good. Okay. That one is a very common thing. Whenever you ask someone, do you have questions? Right. No one ever has any fucking questions. Not even me. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm like, oh, fuck. I got like five questions. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. a tough one. Uh, mine come in the moment based off the emotions that I feel. Okay. So I should specify that. When you mm-hmm. or someone tells me a story, I'm like, hmm, that made me feel something. I should ask a question because they didn't say something that should have triggered another set of thoughts. Boom, right. question comes. Because mm-hmm. um, I need to know what you're feeling. But if your words aren't telling me, then I have to dig. Right. right. So then at what point do you get to where you just, is it in the beginning? Do you ask like a ton of questions and then you narrow them down? Or do you ask specific questions first? And then you kind of go off of like what they're saying and then ask a ton of questions, if that makes sense. Yep. Uh, so I do the intro. I start asking about like kind of what's going on based on mm-hmm. their emotional state. Uh, right. If they're like chill and vibing and not, or if they're chill and vibing, then it's a conversation. There will be questions. Okay. If they're not saying much at all and they're, you're like the very reserved, very anxious or neurodivergent and they don't like speaking. Then there's a mm-hmm. lot of questions because they're very short answered and I need to pull things out of them until I can find a topic that they like. As soon as I find okay. a topic that they like, now that they trust me, now I can use that topic against them to build a relationship to get them to open up. Okay. I would say against them, with them. Yeah. Um, I was like, wait a minute. Wait, yeah, if they're geez. like legit in there sobbing and crying or having a panic attack, well, now the questions go away and my voice changes. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's that's really tough to deal with. I just yeah. kind of sit there and vibe. I've also done that too. Is like if where somebody's in like a more of an emotional state than me, quiet, quiet, and I'm just like, okay, yeah, that's cool. it, yeah, because at that point you're not gonna match their energy. You don't want to do that because at that point it's their, it's their thing. It needs to be focused on them instead of you gathering information. Exactly. So let's transfer this back to the scene. Yeah. That coach, the first coach made it all about him and his personality and his narcissism, his prestige. Mm-hmm. And then that projected onto the kid, made the kid very fearful, very ashamed, and how traumatized he was where he's just bent over, just kind of dead inside. Yes. The next scene, Bombay is like, hey, man, you got this. I got faith in you. He's like, why you got faith in me? I ain't shit. You practiced that thing, didn't you? Mm-hmm. You did what you were supposed to do, right? Well, let's fuck it. Let's go. Uh yeah. We win or lose, doesn't really matter. You practiced. I taught you. I believe in my faith, my abilities as a teacher. Mm-hmm. You practice it. Thus, I believe in you because that means I believe in me. Let's go do it. Yep. Um, and so if we win or lose, we die or we live. Let's, hey, it was 50 50 shot. Um, yeah. So that is a way to be with your supervisee, your mentee, your children. Bombay was with that kid in that moment, emotionally yeah. connected and invested in his life and validated him that he has worth outside of this puck. Mm-hmm. Other coaches, you are win or loss. You make that fucking puck or nothing. And this is all about me. Don't you shame me now. Mm-hmm. Two different worlds. Uh, the one world where I'm asking a crap ton of questions it's me gaining knowledge to help them. Mm-hmm. That's a different world. 
The other world is where I'm just kind of sitting there with them. There's, there's in go, go, not go, go gadget. Yeah. Go, go gadget where I'm using all my little instruments to try to identify things and look at stuff. And I'm inquisitive. This is the other version of me where I'm like, well, damn, we just going to sit and cry, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. I only let that go for so long because I do have to do some type of therapeutic healing in the office. So I don't want them to just leave my office fucking devastated. Right. Uh, so eventually I'll try to teach them a couple techniques on how to regulate. Uh, so that ha- happens a lot. Um, I taught someone techniques the other day just to get them to chillax. Uh, so there's different types. Uh, I feel like now with my new office, uh, FYI, probably in the first of the year, I'm going to do a video of my office. Ooh, can't wait. Probably it'll be the fourth because I won't be back in the office till like the fourth or the fifth. Uh, but I'm going to take a video of it now that I kind of redecorated everything. Mm-hmm. And I want people to see how nerdy it is because my office is not like a normal council's office. It is. I've, I've seen one cabinet and I was like, this is not the same. This is- no. Yeah. I changed that whole thing and I bought that group that's bigger than my head. Yeah. Well, that and that's a feat within itself. Yes. I, can, I wore a 2X helmet. Yeah. Big ass head, folks. <laughs> he wears an eight, eight. hat size. Eight. So is my a dad. Seven and a seven and a half. Yeah. My dad wears an eight and he's like five, nine. Jesus, like a, a big 180 family. pounds. I'm 350 <laughs> pounds. At least it makes this proportional. True. I'll give you that. Give yeah, it's proportional. Um, wonderful scene. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that we talked about me being a leader. Uh, some of it's innate. Some of it I've learned, had classes on. Some of it I watched from my father. I've had tons of good coaches, tons of mentors and supervisors that love the shit out of me and push me mm-hmm. really hard. Some of it's also based out of trauma. I don't want to hurt anyone. I seen what happened when I got angry with a few kids and I'm like, God damn, this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. You're pissing me off. Yeah. And I seen them shake and quiver. And I was like, fuck, what did I just do? I was yeah. trying to teach them how to respect people mm-hmm. and how to respect other women. Mm-hmm. Um, and these were women as well. I'm like, you ain't being real respectful to this person up you're talking now. Mm-hmm. Ain't too often you're going to hear from an international Muslim woman about her life and her journey here to the States. Mm-hmm. So we're we going to sit here and talk to this person or listen to this person out of respect because they don't been through some shit and they're sharing their story. And everyone wanted to leave because they, you know, they had shit to do and people had things they wanted. No, we already paid to be here. We're going to watch this. So I might have been a little agitated. A little bit. I just don't like wasting money. I also don't like being disrespectful to anyone speaking, especially if they've been through trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, so my voice might have got a little agitated, and I told people we're gonna sit the fuck down. Uh, and the way you speak to different genders, there's there's a way you speak to both genders. And my boss told me this because I got in trouble when I was first talking. I was a little inappropriate at times. Some of the boys could be a little bit more volatile. <laughs> volatile. Yeah, you can be a little bit more masculine. Uh, and then uh, speaking of women, there has to be an intellectual discourse with the women. The boys, you can be a fucking idiot and they'll trust you. The women, there needs to be like a little, needs to be yeah. delivered in a different way. Yeah, try to tell women of color to sit their asses down. Not going to go help. well. Nope. Did not go well. No. Uh, so, you learn, man. You learn by your mistakes. So that's mm-hmm. how I became a better leader. Is through many, many mistakes, like we talked about kind of before this off the pod, kind of how like that Joker thing where he was doing all that stuff from that other movie and like role playing everything and rehearsing it over and over. That's all I do in my mind over and over and over and over and over. I no longer have to do that because I've been doing this shit for so long now. I just fucking show up. People are like, don't you got a PowerPoint presentation? Fuck, I need that for. I've done the same talk on imposter syndrome and anxiety 1,500 times. I've done I've done this presentation 80 times just now. I don't even know how I did it. <laughs> yeah. Uh Coach Bombay. Coach oh, real Bombay. quick. Yes. The Netflix Jesus. The Disney series for the Mighty Ducks season one, I thought was good. 
Mm-hmm. I've only seen episode one of season two. I didn't think it, I, I just, I don't know. I, Bombay wasn't there anymore. And I just kind of lost. And then it was just like this other pretty white boy. And I was like, I don't know. That's fair. I, I honestly, me, I just don't want to ruin the, the, the retro of yes the, of, of the ducks and i i just don't want to do it um so me pers even if, even for like let's be honest even for, for mighty ducks three it was like okay we got it <laughs> we got the point here yeah so um there are some good things in both two and three but i just felt like i i don't really need to watch this show i More. will at some point but i don't need don't watch it. the second series okay Second season, I mean, first season though, with all the cameos and Brit comebacks and all that, I'm like, bro, it's awesome. Okay, yeah, it like when cool. all the, when they all come back for like these little scenes, it's it's pretty cool. And I think that's why probably season two just didn't do well because it's like we're like, okay, we had so much in the first season, let's tone it down. Yeah, and that's way too where much. They went and it was all Minnesota. Now the next season shot in L.A. I'm like, oh come on, nobody wants that. No. All right. We have concluded our time here. We have finished Christmas. Yes. All right. Uh, thanks for everybody for watching. Like I said before, uh, go watch our podcast with Earth 894. Um, should be coming out pretty soon here. Um, please give them some love. We'd really appreciate it. Yep. Um, of course, uh, remember to hit all those buttons below. You know what they are. Yes. We have to repeat them. I don't know. Puff, I puff think pass. you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all. This has been the Different Spectrums podcast. See you. I'm not a crook. <laughs>